0: Hello, Tiger Nation. I am Byron Hulsey, headmaster at Woodbury Forest School, and I would like to welcome you to the Woodbury podcast series. This podcast consists of informal yet substantive conversations with alumni, faculty, staff, and students. The conversations explore how Woodbury's core values empowered alumni to build a solid foundation for their lives. How those core values are taught today by Woodbury teachers. And how those values are put into practice by today's students. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Woodbury podcast. My guest today is Jim Reed who just in the end of the last school year retired after a 48-year stint teaching on the Woodbury faculty. A master science teacher, a great colleague, just a, a good man. Jim, thank you for coming to be with, with me today and, and join me as a guest on the Woodbury podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Byron. It's, it's, of course, an honor to be here, to be asked to do this. Always, you know, always just fun to come to Woodbury. It's, it's only a few miles away for us. We're, we're living in the woods out by Somerset, and uh, today felt a little bit like a school day, having to, knowing I was on a schedule, had to get up, you know, put on a collared shirt, a belt. Uh, it, it didn't make the tie, obviously, but... Uh, it's again. It's I'm looking forward to our conversation and uh, I am talking too, about and I, Woodbury.
0: Oh, thank you, and I, I really appreciate you you coming back to, to do this. I've been looking forward to it, Jim. Why don't you tell uh, tell our, our, our listeners why you came to Woodbury? What what was the story around why you even came in the first place?
1: Oh, sure. I um, graduated from Albion College with a degree in science in uh, 1975, and uh, that summer I went to to Duke to their Master's of Arts in Teaching program. And a great program. I was able to take some wonderful biology classes. Part of it was an an internship for a year teaching. And so I had to seek out a teaching position. And uh, as as it worked out, Woodbury, kind of at the last minute that summer, needed a sabbatical replacement. Mm. Uh, George Dewey, a wonderful biology teacher that um, really really was instrumental with designing the the Gordon Gray Science Building back in the day, Mm -hmm. Uh, was going on, at that point, it was a year sabbatical. And so uh, the uh, the dean of faculty uh, Rick Woods uh, called down the Duke and uh, Duke University um, sent up four of us: a math teacher Tom Martini, another math teacher Bruce Antman, and myself, another individual, and uh, to interview for several. They also had a math position. You know, I, I was just blown away when I came here, saw the grounds. I was so impressed. It was close to Shenandoah National Park. Uh, I thought the odds was slim. I'd, I'd get the position, but. You know, a couple days later, Rick Woods called, said I had a job, and I said send me the contract. He said that won't be necessary. You know, we had a gentleman's handshake when yeah. I came back and, and, and uh, talked to him. I, I didn't meet Emmett Wright, the headmaster, until uh, I actually got here for new faculty orientation because Emmett was on one of those rare headmaster vacations and well, wasn't around at that point of the summer when when I came to interview. And so, again, it was supposed to be a one-year position. I found it to be a wonderful teaching atmosphere. Uh, Emmett liked what I was doing. As, as it turned out, a position opened up the next year as Bob Gillespie moved to be disciplinarian. Right. And so so that left a, a, a bit of a vacuum for me to fill.
0: So that, that's uh, thanks for the story as to how you found Woodbury in the first place. The, the follow-up question to that is, why did you stay i mean almost five decades
1: yeah that's that's, a,
0: that's an incredibly long tenure and many of our listeners are alumni and among the alumni you are re- revered and, and loved but that doesn't completely answer the question is why you would have stayed all those many years
1: well you know a big part of it is just you know the the, the boys here the boys that i got to work with teach and know um just just you know always enthusiastic, inspiring, obviously at times challenging, but it's just really the you know the, those individuals, those personalities and the, the makeup of the student body, that, that along with just such a supportive atmosphere for teaching, great, great colleagues, the administration, I felt always had my back, but at the same time allowed me to uh, to to do professional development and allowed to have a, a challenging atmosphere. The school culture, not only the the driving force of the, of the honor system that, that permeates the school, but but also the support of the alumni. And just as I met parents, as I met alumni, that just realized this was a special place. And so it's one where obviously over the years I, I looked at some other schools. I, I did some uh, just had some educational opportunities in the summer times, but really didn't see anything I wanted to move to. It was a wonderful place to raise raise a family, to further develop my career and I've always always cherished it here.
0: Tell us a little bit about what it's like to live at Woodbury as a member of the faculty. I mean Woodbury is a different kind of place because it's all boys, all boarding in this location and you know virtually all of our teaching faculty live on this campus. What, from your perspective, was it like to live here for almost five decades?
1: You know, it's, it's um, again, it's, 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 it's very special in that you're with colleagues from not just 8 to 5 every day, but, but in meals. You know, you're with them at, with evening dorm duty. And so it really has to be a community of, of a people getting along and working with each other. And it's just amazing in that way a grade uh, advanced placement exams in Kansas City with a, a, f- a fellow from uh, inner city LA where he teaches biology. You know, he walks through a metal detector every day but he thinks I'm crazy to be at a school where I live, where every, everywhere it's like a glass house. And, uh, and it's, it's because it's the, the, the faculty, the people that you're working with are your friends, your neighbors, as well as your colleagues.
0: Another uh, kind of personal question, what's it like to be, to raise children here, to be a dad? For kids growing up at at Woodbury,
1: what one thing I found is that as as a even before being a parent and being a young parent, eating in the dining room, seeing the families as neighbors, there's just so many great parental role models around mm. on, on on how to raise children. That it was it was great in that regard, and also the way the students dealt dealt with my children mm. and uh, you know interacted with them and uh, you know. I can think of many examples where, you know, they're role models to my children. You know, students would, at times we'd hire students to be a babysitter or, yeah. to, you know, watch over them in the lobby while we were doing something. And uh, they they just love that. They love that interaction. They love coming down to the house for advisory dinner and playing with the children as well. As young parents, we, you know, we we're trying not to give our children a lot of sugar. I remember Tony Frafredo was an advisee, yeah. gave, gave our son late in his first Oreo.
0: Oh, he did. And we were
1: kind of shocked. and Well, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Tony's always pushing the edge there. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. He's very generous. He's very generous. <laughs> very generous individual. Mm-hmm. Super generous. Remains a very generous yeah. alumnus. Jim, as I, I mentioned early on, most of us here would describe you as just a master teacher of, of science. How has the craft of teaching science changed and remained the same in your years uh-huh. as a teacher.
1: Yeah, in terms of, I'm thinking now, you know, my, my main subject, biology, right. where there, there was much more memorization, memorization of anatomy or of classification or systems, and it's changed much more to be process-driven, much more analysis, and, and with um, with technology, much more opportunity for that of looking at at data sets or going online and and, uh, matching up DNA sequences. So all the more hands-on and lab-driven in that regard. I've seen that in in chemistry and physics as well, so much more activity-driven and and that's when we designed our, our Manning Science building, and well, we, we were working on it for we about, probably about 10 years. Yeah. We, wanted to have a, we wanted to have a space that we could easily move from class to lab, not, not having them in separate compartments, as mm-hmm. well as just lots of um, external space and in, mm-hmm. in, interior space that, that was outside the classroom. Where Mm -hmm. students could work on projects, where they could do demonstrations, where they could do collaborative work, and as well as easy access to the outside, being able to get down to the Rapidan River and the fields
0: that border it, too. Have you found that the the Manning Science Building kind of achieved your your hopes for it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's it's met. And some things that, uh, you know, that, that, that we didn't foresee in terms of, you know, students studying there at, at night in the right. evening, collaborative spaces where, you know, some things were set up semi-permanently to, you know, so just, it's just lots, lots of area where, where students can, can do projects and do things.
0: One of the things that I've noticed and taken note of since I've been back as headmaster in the sciences is how much more frequently the Woodbury boys go outside as part of their, their study here. I I've, I've remember seeing you outside with mm-hmm. your students on many, many occasions, and, and I'm guessing that you and your colleagues have, have concluded that this is just a, a wonderful laboratory, outside laboratory, for the learning of science.
1: Yeah, it's all, all the more so. I mean, you know, we've always tried to get students outside and use the natural facilities, but mm-hmm. with manning and the trails that hook up to it, it made it access all the, all the easier mm-hmm. to get during a 90-minute during a class period or an 80-minute class period to get down to the river or mm-hmm. um, get out to the pasture to do data collection. And uh, yeah, making just, just full use of the, the wonderful natural environment we have.
0: Challenging question here. Yeah. When, when, when a boy might ask a boy who might be struggling in biology, ask you, Mister Reed, why do I need to know this? Uh, ah, yeah. how would you how would you answer that vexing question that we teachers sometimes get from from boys?
1: Yeah, it's it's so it's well, part of it. I, I mean, I always try to show as much practical implications as I can up front. But that's and that's that's a question I one of, one of my first years here. I was just teaching about parasitic worms about the. <laughs> You know uh, uh, these these worms that are in Africa, and uh, you know V Pittman raised his hands. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to Africa. Why do I <laughs> need to know this? And so, uh, so that, that that stayed with me, and that you know I want to make this as relevant as I can. Right. But um, at, at the same time, you know what we're talking about is is life and the human body or the environment outside our body, and it's what's what's more practical and what's more important. What's more important than you know knowing how your body works, how, what's going on in your cells. Uh, how to keep yourself healthy, how to maintain a a stable environment. It's it's a constant challenge to to make it relevant.
0: Jim, on, on another note, one of the things that we love at Woodbury is watching boys grow up and watching boys kind of make their way from being young, immature, challenged ninth graders who struggle to be on time, sometimes just seemingly struggle to even tie their shoes correctly. Mm-hmm. To really learning some confidence and, and building up some some belief in themselves and, and growing into a fuller sense of themselves as young men, maybe there's a success story or two that you might want to reflect on that kind of shows Woodbury is kind of this transformative engine for, for a boy in these in these really formative years.
1: Oh, I mean, I mean, one name comes to mind is Gianni Woodson Brooks and mm-hmm. how Gianni came came from a, a, a challenging inner city background after his first year and I asked him, you know, what was some of the more challenging things? And he said, you know, one thing was that during, during early ball, he was on Taylor hall pretty much by himself. And he said it was just so quiet and so dark out. It was just, Uh. it was just really, it was really, really spooky in that regard. Yeah. You know, Johnny grew so much in in recognizing his abilities and, and realizing his potential and what he could do. And not only, you know, with football, and with track, but but being able to to get his own personal schedule together and uh, and challenge himself academically and do well, you know. So that that's one you know you know great story that that, that comes to mind right away.
0: Yeah, I remember Gianni very very fondly. He was a prefect in his last year at Woodbury, and huge trust in, in him and his judgment and his thoughtfulness. And yeah, I I agree. He's a Good example of how far a boy can come when he makes his way to, to, to Woodbury. I know there, there are many, many, many more.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Andre Hollis. Yeah. You know, was, um, uh, I know Dick Glover used to say that, that he had suffered from lapitis. <laughs> 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 he, didn't run, he didn't like running laps. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, to <laughs> see the individual he is today and just talk to him about some of the amazing adventures he's been on and some of the great things he's done with his, his work, his as, as, as personal life. It's just, it's just incredible.
0: Yeah. yeah, and you mentioned V. Pittman earlier and his two sons, Scott mm-hmm. and John, being, you know, Woodbury alumni. It's, it's fun also to see some of the intergenerational connections that, that, that course through the, the Tiger Nation here.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, and I guess mm-hmm. when you
0: know V. as well as you do, you're not very surprised by what you get out of Scott or, or John either. Oh, right, right,
1: right. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. They're, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great family. It a great, is. A, it is. Mm-hmm. A, a great Woodbury family. So Jim, you, you you came to this decision to retire. You shared it with me, and and you know and. With, with lots of time for me to mm-hmm. prepare which I really appreciate for for your departure you ended up retiring at the same time as Paul Huber who was here for 51 years so between the two of you almost a, a full century of right. teaching at, at, at woodbury how did you decide it was time oh. from my perspective you're timeless you could be here forever but you, yeah, you decided felt, that it was time how did well, how did that how did you come to that Conclusion.
1: Yeah, you know it's, it's several things. I knew I couldn't live forever. Um, my children always tell me I tend to over schedule. You know, I plan in too much. I didn't want to quite plan my life away, and and so I've always and I you know, I guess I got this from my father. My father worked till he was seventy. That was his goal. He was a, uh, you know, he he was in medicine, and uh, that kind of stuck with me too. That you know, when I turned seventy, and, and and it turned out it was it was a, for me personally a good year to retire. You know, it was a good year because. Other things going on in life and other things to attend to. Right. Which at the same time, I mean, I, I, I miss it. I, I miss uh, I miss some of the routine. I don't necessarily miss faculty meetings, but I but I miss seeing the, my colleagues on a daily basis. I certainly miss the interaction with students. I don't miss uh, grading papers. Right. Or or writing tests, but I do miss kind of uh, crafting those lessons. Every now and then, mm-hmm. I find myself crafting a lesson in my head then realizing, oh, when am I going to use this? Yeah. Yeah, I've come across a, a bit of natural history, you know, while yeah. walking through the woods. And
0: I remember you giving me a, a, a hard time with a gentle smile on your face about um, our decision to start the school year a week earlier. Oh. You I, you may not remember that, but I do. You you, mm-hmm. you were not used to having your birthday in the middle of our initial faculty meetings. I remember that. And, and, and,
1: <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I, I was just thinking about that, that... Um, if uh, yeah, if, this, if we're on the old schedule, tomorrow would be the first day of classes. Right, <laughs> which, and, and... which I wouldn't mention. Want to mention to the current faculty, but. <laughs> Remind them. Yeah, I, it was um, it was a move that was necessary. Uh, we we just had so much packed into the fall. Yeah. Um, you know, with parents' weekends, with uh, obviously EHS weekend, and for seniors doing you know, the application. I mean, the whole college application process has become so compressed into the fall. Yeah. And so by by having a senior boot college boot camp by, by starting things earlier and, and having you know a built-in break like the expeditions. Right. It's not like the boys. Have to be home until now. It's not like they're home tipping tobacco.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many of their friends are already back in, in school. But exactly. Anyway. So, Jim, any particular thing that you miss the most about not being on the faculty right now?
1: Oh, yeah, it's just, um, again, you know, not, not seeing seeing friends and colleagues on a, on a daily basis. So. Yeah. Uh, now and then, when I'm cooking dinner, I miss the dining room. <laughs> <laughs> that was very convenient. Yes. And, and, of course, you know, that's the thing where the, the food each academic year just gets better and better, more varied, uh, more, more, more healthy options. So it's just the dining... I think that's uh, things that have um, that have improved for the boys. I think the dining room experience. Yeah. And I think alumni, when they come back, would attest to that, too.
0: Yeah. Well, we're, mm-hmm. We alumni are often blown away at what, what the food is like now compared to what we were eating back in the day. And one thing that you, you missed the, the least, you mentioned grading papers... Yep. Got Any, great, great anything papers. else? And probably Faculty probably
1: supervising uh, Demerit Hall.
0: <laughs> supervising I, Demerit I, Hall. I, I, that, yeah, that's, that was. Uh, that, that's never a, a no, high letter moment. No, no, it's,
1: it's it's uh you know we're, I know we're still working for working on alternatives to that. Yeah, you know? I mean Demerit Hall is basically study hall, and so here on one hand we're we're trying to uh, embrace this level of learning, but on the other hand, it's a very effective punishment is to make them study yeah. on a Saturday night. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Proctoring Evening Study Hall was uh, just a routine.
0: And you're living in the area.
1: Yeah, yep. We're living in a, in a, in a house in the woods uh, not, not far from Somerset on South Village Turnpike, uh, about 10 miles from here. So when I ride my bike, it's about a 45-minute bike ride.
0: You're riding your bike all the way to Woodbury? I, 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 not I today, have. did you? I did. I didn't
1: do it this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a nice ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good. nice because you can take all county roads. You don't have to be out on sure. Route 15 or yeah, nice. um, 230. Yeah, it's very nice.
0: And you and Cindy are still going to church in Orange, I'm yeah, guessing. Yes.
1: So, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so, yep. That's yep. terrific. So yeah, we have our, our friends there, and uh, you know, friends here, and yeah. as, as well as uh, is uh, is uh, getting to know some other people in the county too.
0: Well, Jim, it's been terrific for you to come join the Woodbury podcast today, and um, I just enjoy seeing you whenever I, I do. I want to share with our, our listeners that, that Jim is just a titan on the Woodbury faculty. And one of the things that's always defined him in my estimation is just his, his good cheer and yeah. his enthusiasm and his energy and maybe one of the very, very, very best colleagues that's ever served on the Woodbury faculty. Very supportive of everyone and encouraging of everyone and, and hoping that everyone uh, makes the most of, of the opportunity to be at Woodbury Forest. So Jim, we miss you. It's great to see you today. I look forward to the next time to to visit. Thanks again for joining us on the Woodbury podcast.
1: Well, well, well. Thank you, Byron. It's nice being able to have this conversation with you and uh, to visit. And i certainly, I've, I've uh, always cherished my my experiences
0: here. Thank you. Well, thank you to to Jim Reed, and thanks for all you've done for Woodbury. And so this is Byron Halsey signing off on the Woodbury podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Farewell from the Tiger Nation. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Woodbury Podcast. We hope you found our discussion insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing, rating, or leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Stay tuned for more conversations in the future. And remember, the conversation doesn't have to end here. Connect with us on Woodbury Forest School social media, reach out with your questions or comments, and let's keep the dialogue going. Until next time, take care and go Tigers!